welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiacs.com, and thank you again for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Enthusiacs or on our YouTube channel, Enthusiacs, where all our video content resides. I'm your host, Jeff, or Baron Fang, and today I am joined by Chris. How are you, Chris? Excellent. How are you? I'm good. Uh, by Jennifer. Hello. And Goose. How are you, Goose? Doing quite well. Excellent. So, uh, what has everyone been playing lately? Let's start with you, Chris. Oh, I've been playing the same things as <laughs> Jen and Goose have. <laughs> <laughs> Got that clicker hero going. Uh, <laughs> I hate you, by the way. <laughs> We're all addicted. You're welcome. Um, and appropriately for today's topic, I've been blasting through the Mass Effect series as quickly as possible. Cool. Uh, and you, Jen? Uh, yeah, Clicker Heroes on my iPad. And also, um, I was playing Just Cause 3 last week, and now I've been obsessively playing the um, Ghost Recon Wildlands beta, the open beta, which, uh, yeah, I'm just completely obsessed with it. I love it. Cool. How about you, Goose? I am literally playing Clicker Heroes as we're talking. <laughs> I was, too. You do realize that... <laughs> Most like Chris, I am also playing, Just so I, I just finished the Mass Effect trilogy. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, could Clicker Heroes be a, a point streak topic? But it would basically be you three <laughs> talking about it, me sitting here shaking my head. Um, Pretty much. I've been playing uh, a lot of Drive Club on the PS4, because uh, 2014 called and it wants its games back. Uh, <laughs> and I, I actually do like it. It's just kind of astounding that it came out that long ago. And um, uh, quite a bit of the Wildlands beta, uh, getting pretty excited for that. That's been fun. I think uh, that ends, uh, well, by the time anyone hears this, that'll be long gone. Uh, and Wildlands comes out in early to mid-March. 7th. 7th. Right? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and speaking of March, segue, <laughs> another game that comes out in March uh, I believe around the 21st, if that's uh, sound right. Yeah. Uh, yes, 21st. Is uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, which is the topic of today's uh, podcast, or specifically a, a preview of Mass Effect Andromeda. So, just to recap, <laughs> in case uh, you're living under a gaming rock, uh, Mass Effect 3 was uh, uh, released, if that's the right word, to the public in March of 2012, and here we are. Uh, Almost five years later, uh, a new series, a new galaxy, <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, is is launching very shortly. And uh, we want to talk about uh, sort of our expectations, what we've seen thus far, what we are concerned about, what we're expecting, uh, really anything uh, speculation-wise uh, about Mass Effect Andromeda I can think of. So um, just to, I might just run through quickly this sort of the very bare bones uh, setting or plot. Uh, so as the name would suggest, the uh, this game is taking place in the Andromeda Galaxy. It appears that at some point before the uh, events of Mass Effect 3, I believe, or possibly somewhere in the middle of the run, uh, a, a, a an Andromeda initiative was launched, uh, and I guess we'll find out specifically the detail, more details about that when the game comes out, that involved uh, exploring a new galaxy. Uh, a number of large uh, colony ships were sent, and I, I think the journey end-to-end -end is, what, 600 years in uh, high-speed uh, 
mass, uh, faster than light travel to the new galaxy. Uh, I'm not quite Jeez. sure what that technology is going to uh, entail exactly, but I, I, another thing we'll find out in the game. Uh, so this this is a game that takes place very entirely separately to the the canon of the other series, in that uh, the characters and, and and people in it had depart before that series it ends. Um, it's uh, sort of a an ingenious and yet uh, necessary idea to separate this this new series from the old because as anyone who's played Mass Effect 1 through 3 through to the finish uh, it doesn't exactly lend itself to continuing the story given that the galaxy is irrevocably destroyed slash changed at the end of Mass Effect 3 so this is a way to sort of skirt around that in such a way that there's really no uh, cross contamination is that fair or is that uh, <laughs> is that going too far? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's a new galaxy, and the pro, the player character is is going to be the Pathfinder, regardless. Um, going to be quite a bit of planetary exploration. That seems to be something they're focusing a lot on. I think it's fair to say that the, the combat we're seeing is very reminiscent of three, or at least uh, expands on that. And of course, there will be multiplayer. We'll get in that. Uh, we'll we'll get to that uh, topic a little bit later. Um, I might I might just start with you, Chris. Uh, well, look, I'll, I'll, a quick question for everybody: Who here will be uh, buying this game at launch? Just a, a little poll here. Any, any anybody? <laughs> nope. It's already bought, actually. Oh, okay, so you've pre, you've pre. Oh. Uh, I, I, I well, I bought it through CDKeys.com. <laughs> I'm pretending that's not a pre-order, but I paid I paid less for it. So right. I mean, yeah, it's, I pretty much pre-ordered it. Okay, so of the four of the four of us, you're the only one uh, that's um, that's buying it at launch. So, yep, I will be the I will be the Andromeda initiative of I... of the game to let you know how it is. <laughs> I Chris think that... will be our pathfinder. Yeah, the exactly. meta Andromeda exactly. initiative. Well, I think that kind of speaks for itself. I mean, if if Mass Effect Three had been a triumph, uh, I. I don't think I'd be speaking out of turn to say probably all of us <laughs> would be getting it. Uh... I I would have already pre-ordered whatever the highest collector's <laughs> edition. Just give me give me shut up and take my money. So yeah. Yeah. It says a lot. So it's fair to say that some of that. Uh, well, look, we were all stung in the last game, and uh, you know it's it's definitely it's definitely had an effect. Um, but yeah, we'll get into we'll get into forward to etc. In a bit. Um, oh. I I might. Uh, I might start with you, Chris. Um, what, what if, what has you most excited for this game? I mean, you're you're pre-ordering it, so I have to assume you have uh, some expectations. You're not going to uh, not going to lay out cash for a game that you're not excited about. Uh, what what are you most looking forward to? Well, uh, I mean, a lot. Of, I'm I'm looking forward to most of it at this point. But if I had to pick one solid reason that I'm okay with pre-ordering it pre pre buying cheat 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 pre ordering <laughs> uh, it's definitely the multiplayer because that was the major success of Mass Effect 3 it had a, a really good multiplayer and i don't expect that anything there is going to change between Mass Effect 3 and Mass Effect Andromeda except to hopefully like in, improve and streamline the combat even more yeah it's it's interesting uh that you say that it was a a lot of people, and probably you included, were not particularly impressed by the fact that we were forced to play it. But a lot of us, me included, uh, did actually get quite a lot of mileage and, and enjoyment out of it. And I think some of us here long after to put down the main game, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see it, for sure. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's four-player, sort of squad-based PvE combat 
is what got me interested in the Warframe concept. So <laughs> there's there's no reason to think that uh, going back to that well uh, won't be an enjoyable option, even if the game, main game itself disappoints. How about you, Jen? What, is there anything that you're looking most forward to? I mean, not taking into account the fact that you're going to give it some time before you shell out, but uh, what, what would you be most excited about? I'm kind of torn. Uh, it's definitely multiplayer. That's very high on my list because I... You know, like you said, I was kind of bothered that we had to play it, that we were forced to play it for the third. But then once I started meeting all you guys and all the other enthusiasts and playing with a bunch of people, I had so much fun. So I am really looking forward to that experience again. But also, I just I feel like this like nostalgic tug at my heartstrings. I just I want that universe back. I want all those races back. I want to see a Turian again. I want to see an Asari. You know, like it's just. I just want to return to that universe, and I think I'm just itching for that that world again, and I hope that it'll be good. I'm just kind of going to wait and see. Uh, how about you, Goose? Is there any, uh, any one thing that's got you most excited? Much like what they said, I'm definitely looking forward to the multiplayer. I logged at least 1,000 hours into Mass Effect 3. Damn. Wow. So, so I know I'm going to get some mileage out of this one when I finally do jump in, but something else that actually does have me intrigued is it almost looks like the way now granted this could just be hype coming out for a game but it almost looks like they've gone back to what the original did well which is that most of the story was about it was about exploring a new world for the player it was about like finding things it was about being more than just the linear story mm. in that one more so than the other two you could if you really wanted to get hours out of just exploring random planets that you ran into mm-hmm. whether there's anything there or not and it looks like this would be more more in line with that as opposed to what the series would later become yeah yeah and they have spent a fair bit of time haven't they goose sort of trumpeting the return of that uh rather than scanning from orbit type stuff that <laughs> that a lot of the second and third game involves I mean, you know getting down there and getting your hands dirty type stuff it almost looks like the best of both worlds like chris said it's the, it looks like the streamlined combat went from three which let's be honest was pretty good hmm. and the exploration from one so it seems like they're putting their hands together and trying to be the best of both worlds um, I think what I'm most looking forward to is finding out uh, whether or not they've got their writing chops back or not. Um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of reason to be skeptical about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping. You know, some some of the games I've enjoyed most of all have been Bioware games on the writing side. So I'm hoping they can find form there once again. Um, yeah, there, there's certainly n- nothing about the concept that uh, that would stand in the way of that, but uh, a lot of personnel changes. Um, we we shall see whether they manage to to make good on uh, the hype, so to speak. Um, t- technologically speaking, uh, Chris, is there anything about the game? Uh, g- gameplay looks very familiar from what we've seen so far. Uh, is there anything about the technology of the game that looks particularly different to you or is it just better graphics five years hence or is there anything you've seen thus far that's really impressed you in terms of the uh the tech uh well so they've obviously upgraded to the frostbite engine which is yeah. the same one that they built dragon age well not they i mean a separate team but bioware um built uh dragon age inquisition on mm-hmm. um and from what i have seen it looks like they've kind of taken a lot of design philosophies from across the whole series and and are 
putting them into this game. So they're returning the exploration, like Goose said, the exploration from the original Mass Effect to give it more of an open world feel. Um, and the uh, the combat from Mass Effect 3, which even then they've improved upon more, uh, adding things like the jetpack. And really, the, the combat reminds me a lot of, of Warframe, yeah. um, which you mentioned before. And that's something that moving in the direction of Warframe is a really good thing. Yeah, the mobility, uh, you know, and all right. that. Yeah. Warframe has a very slick combat system, and Mass Effect 3 wasn't quite that smooth, um, but it's looking like they've made things much smoother in that direction as well. So uh, that, that upgrade to the engines seems to me to be probably one of the biggest technological moves as far as allowing for better combat, allowing for more like open spaces, a bigger a bigger game, basically. Hmm. I might uh, say, save this one for you, Jen. Uh, you, you've obviously heard about... Uh, I mean, I'll feel free to jump in the other two of you but uh you've mentioned to me recently that you've heard about the the fact that they're steering away from paragon versus renegade dialogue choices which was such a a central thing in the old series i mean to me it kind of became a parody when it became clear that it was more good versus evil they they kind of forgot what paragon versus renegade was eventually but uh i mean do you see that as a uh are you sad to see that that gone or or it, was it already broken and you sort of not really married to it um, sort of both. Like, I am a little bit sad to see it gone, but I, like you said, I feel like in the first game it was more good cop, bad cop, where later on it was good guy, expletive. <laughs> you know, like, not a not a good, not, he didn't feel like a hero or someone who's ultimately trying to do the right thing, but in a really tough way. It, it It's like you said, it got kind of more of like a parody version of it by the end of the trilogy. So I am kind of sad to see that go, but I think it is a good fresh start where, um, Chris, I think you were the one that sent us the link to the article about how there's going to, there's still going to be dialogue options where you can answer things in different ways, much like in Dragon Age Inquisition. You know, Mm. you can, you have like four options of how to answer something instead of just good guy, bad guy and, you know, kind of focused. So I'm, I am still really glad that the whole conversation system will still be you know, fleshed out, it seems like. So I'll be fine as long as that's done well. Yeah. Goose, uh, you were a pretty dedicated renegade player. I I think that uh, that's clear at this point. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Will you be happy as long as there's options, that dialogue options that can sort of steer in that direction? Or if it, it, are you going to miss the ability to sort of play straight up renegade uh, ass kicker if it's if it is missing i feel like as long as they as long as they give you a way where you can build your character toward toward your own path as opposed to just literally having one character throughout with a few variations like you said the renegade paragon in the beginning was much more like jen said good cop bad cop whereas it literally became like you said good versus evil in the third game so we're hoping i'm hoping for like somewhere in between Maybe it's, there are occasionally moments of basically what I call these was the Schwarzenegger moments. <laughs> <laughs> hoping, hoping for hoping for that kind of system and that could work. Yeah. But basically, as, basically as long as they give me something that's not a complete brick, I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's. I think that's um, pro, the dialogue system in general is a step in the right direction because one of the uh, criticisms leveled against the later Mass Effect games, even as early as Mass Effect Two, is that they'd stepped away from the role playing. More, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think this is sort of their attempt to go back in the role-playing direction again, like borrowing elements from Dragon Age Inquisition. 
mm-hmm. and even the decision they've made with the character that you play. So whereas in the original trilogy you play as Shepard, who's kind of this established character, you get to you get to steer his actions through the trilogy. But Shepard is already a war hero or someone of note by the time you play the first game. Yeah. This time around, we're getting a completely fresh yeah, uh, character. Yeah, it's a and that Paragon Renegade thing is very much Shepard specific. So that wouldn't work. And and to me it seems like they're ditching that because that is a a Shepard mechanic and now going towards a more open ended role playing with, you know, emotionally based responses. Yeah. Rather than blue or orange Paragon Renegade type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point, yeah. That's a good segue to my next question, uh, specifically about these protagonists. Uh, so the the basic premise is that uh, you're going to play one of a pair of siblings. Uh, either um, is is it Sarah, Sarah Ryder and what's the male Riders? Do we know yet, or is it, or am I, I even know. right about that? I'm, I'm going to name him Shepard Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> Shepard will Ryder. be in this new game. But yeah, I, and I I do wonder whether it's going to be like this Fallout four type situation whichever went dead i don't know do we do do we know do we have we seen it have has anyone here seen any footage of both of them in the same at the same time uh, i don't know if we have uh well that that's i think it's an interesting uh take um i mean what what do you think of the rider concept for what we've seen thus far chris i mean it's um we don't have a ton of details other than this person ends up inheriting the pathfinder role i think through uh I think because the previous one dies, I think is what is what we're hearing. Does it? Uh, I mean, we we don't know a lot about the character, and obviously, I think they're going a role playing role playing route where you're going to sort of determine a lot of who they end up becoming. But uh, I mean, Shepard, pretty big fo- shoes to fill. Uh, what what do you think of the rider concept from what you've seen thus far in terms of personality or or, or any of the if you've actually? Well, the the funny thing is, actually, I have kept myself away from anything plot related. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't really know anything at all about um, the characters themselves, uh, any of their details or anything. So I, yeah. I can't really answer that question. I don't know a thing about Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've been following the technical stuff, kind of the bigger picture backstory type stuff. Yeah. But um, even in things as like the new alien races, I don't know what they're called. I don't know what roles they play. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in this weird state of semi-ignorance. Look, that's probably not a bad place to be, honestly. I I I think that might be a, that might be a good place to, to be. I mean, you I only know slightly more than what you're describing, <laughs> to be honest. Um, how about you, Jen? I mean, even if it's just the look of the character so far, what uh, have you have you come to grips with the <laughs> fact that you know Shepard is uh, Shepard is no more, and you're gonna have to learn to love these? Uh, well, one of these two. Well, <laughs> if, if not it, both. I won't come to grips with it until I've played it and I like them and I have some sort of attach like attachment growing for them I guess like wh- wh- whether I pick the the brother or the sister I I want to care about them at, at least at least to a degree of how much I cared about Chep was a lot I absolutely love Chep so I I want you know, I'm not going to say that they're going to live up to that, but I want to start liking them. And then I feel like I can accept, okay, this is a new lead for the series. And don't hold me to this, but I could swear that I read that the siblings are the um, children of, like, the original Pathfinder. Does that sound right? Have any of you guys heard that? I I think I've heard that, but I I don't know if that's true. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I don't okay. know. I was hoping for confirmation, true. but yeah. I think that would be interesting. Um yeah, I really haven't heard very much about them, which I'm kind of glad about. I want to go into the game fresh and not expecting 
anything. Um, as far as appearance, though, I, I kind of wonder if we're going to be able to change their appearance at all or if they're just locked male or female and you're stuck with that. Because that – I'm sorry, but female writer looks – busted <laughs> i mean there's so many memes already online about her like wonky expressions and stuff so yeah, yeah. i hope that they tighten that up and make it a little bit better yeah appearance wise i don't care but if, <laughs> if she looks crazy with her big eyes <laughs> yeah. then that would be kind of annoying yeah goose uh what are your expect what are your hopes or expectations as far as the protagonists are concerned or are you just hoping that you can make them their own or are you pretty open-minded at this point Personally, I'm hoping that if they're going to keep them in, like, to make them their own character, then they need to actually commit to that and make them to don't go halfway into making, oh, well, you can shape your own character and we shaped it as well. Like, that rarely works well when you try to have that have your cake and eat it too mentality. Hmm. So if, if you're going to write the, a particular kind of character, then you have to do it all the way. And if you're going to have the, the, the player build that character – in the same thing. Now, from what I've seen from the research I've done behind the scenes, this looks like it's going to be more of a the player builds their own kind of deal. Because right. all of the most of their advertising and most of their most of the interviews I've seen all talk about the fact that in the first Mass Effect trilogy, the character was like Chris said, was already established. He was already a war hero at that point. He'd already done a lot of things. Whereas here, these kids are just starting, and you, the player, will be determining how they become whatever they're going to become yeah which intrigues me a lot but also it has that same kind of sticky language we've heard before where it almost feels like buzzwords yeah yeah no i i get i get what you mean uh it the, the proof's gonna be in the pudding really um is there uh and and i i i'm sort of taking an open-minded look at it myself i i, I haven't liked some of the visuals that i've seen of them and uh but, but again, it, I, I don't know if you three remember what you saw of Mass Effect 1 before it came out, but there was a lot of uh, marketing and visuals that I saw from both that game and Mass Effect 2 that ended up being quite a bit different when the game came out. Um, there's there's some rather famous pictures and posters from, of Mass Effect 1 uh, from when it was relatively early in its development, and uh, a lot of the look changed. Uh, there's a, I, I don't know if anyone here remembers this, but there was a Mass Effect 2 trailer uh, that involved, I think, Shepard and Thane and possibly Grunt all taking on a group of bad guys at a, sort of a rendered cutscene. And there's there was a lot of stuff that happened in that in that sort of marketing clip that ended up having no relation whatsoever to the game. Uh, in fact, there were characters using abilities and stuff that they didn't even have. So I'm assuming that some of the stuff we've seen is uh, fairly early or rudimentary. So I I'm not taking it too serious. But uh, we shall see. Um, is there anything, uh, Chris? Is, is there anything that you've seen so far that has you concerned, uh, like reports about the game or visuals or stuff that you've seen in the trailers or what limited stuff you've con uh, actually absorbed thus far that's got you a little bit worried, um, or have you been basically staying far enough away that uh, nothing's come up yet? Um, the my only issues, my only concerns are really speculative, and it's based on not so much on Andromeda itself, but on the previous Bioware games. Yeah, which is Bioware's. <laughs> I, we've talked about this, uh, you know, off podcast, obviously. Um, the Bioware's push towards social justice in their games, um, yeah. and where that kind of invades the narrative and and makes things 
kind of stupid and breaks lore and, and all that. Um, I am afraid that they're going to continue in that direction, uh, even to the point where maybe the reason the characters look so weird is because they don't want to have, you know, like traditional ideals of beauty or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, that that's really my my major it's it's tough uh, to make a good it's tough to make a good game when you're more concerned about that sort of stuff than you are about the game being good you know like when if that's if that's number one on the list of priorities it's it does make you wonder what what suffers as a result of there's only so much attention time detail energy and spend on if the uh you know (laughs) if the if the social justice stuff as you say is number one on the list what what falls behind and suffers as a result so i kind of i kind of get what you mean um and we've certainly seen it before you know the the mass effect 3 had a had a sense of having a lot shoehorned into it rather uh (laughs) uncomfortably (laughs) uh that in in a way that did did not it didn't give you the impression that it was crafted that way. It gave it gave you the impression that it was uh, just sort of tweaked in order to meet some sort of arbitrary standard <laughs> after the fact. Um, it's, it's a digital affirmative action. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a, a quota of, you know, queer characters and, and you know, different races and things. And <laughs> I wonder how much of this is going to make the final cut. <laughs> but... Seriously, though, there's a scene in Mass Effect 3 when you're introduced to Specialist Trainer and she walks in and basically makes a huge deal out of, like, finding Edie's voice sexy. And this is within, you know, five seconds of being introduced to this character. It's like, guys, guess what? I'm a lesbian. Like, okay, that's I mean, that's fine. I don't have any issue with that. But do you really need to light up such a big signal flare that, you know, you're you have a lesbian character here in a prominent position? It's important to them that they get credit for this stuff. So they don't want you to miss it. Right. (laughs) Well, what's sad is it doesn't come off as though they're trying to be inclusive. It comes off as seriously pandering Mm. and not even pandering, not even pandering to the groups themselves, but pandering to the people who feel like the people who use it. I'm not sure what the word is. People who use the word inclusive, not as it's supposed to be, <laughs> but as a but as a kind of catch-all for, oh, we care because. It's people who want to do something not to do the right thing, but to have someone see them doing the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Jen? Uh, anything that you've seen or heard thus far that's sort of uh, got your antenna up? Well, I mean, I definitely agree with them there. That I'm worried about that. I, I absolutely love Inquisition. I've I've said this many times before, but I I saw you know the shift starting, or, or I shouldn't say starting. It didn't start there, but increasing even more so, I think, than what we saw in Mass Effect. Now I was able to just kind of laugh those ridiculous parts off because I really like the game, and. Honestly, I don't mind doing the same thing with Andromeda. If they shoehorn a few things in here and there, but it's a great game and I care about the characters and have a lot of fun playing it, I'll shrug it off and move on. But if the game isn't good and there's a lot of that junk in there, it's going to be clear what they cared more about. Yeah. So I'm definitely concerned about that. And I don't know. I just I, I feel like our expectations are so high for a Mass Effect game, even though it's a fresh start with all new characters, I feel like there's probably no way they're going to be able to live up to what I loved about the last trilogy. Yeah. So um, I'm leery about that. How about you, Goose? Anything in particular that's got you concerned, Goose, of what you've heard of the previews thus far or, or prior to that? 
I'm not even going to lie. I've been talking for about five seconds and completely forgot to unmute my microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, but most like what they said, that's the kind of thing that Bioware of late has really has really made me weary of. But what I feel like I've been, I feel comforted from the fact that a lot of what I've seen, a lot of the marketing, a lot of the interviews and whatnot, it all seems to be saying it's not Mass Effect 3. Now, that can be a good and a bad thing because despite what maybe the internet will tell you, not all of Mass Effect 3 was bad. So you don't want to, th- the old expression goes, throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what you have to do, and what I feel like they might be doing, is you have to, if you're going to continue the Mass Effect trilogy further, you have to, first of all, separate yourself, which they definitely have done. But the most important thing is you can't constantly be nodding and winking to the previous trilogy. Yes. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this, this, is, this is a problem that recently, recently I felt like The Force Awakened for Star Wars had, is that while I definitely enjoyed it more than Jeff did, but... Everyone did. Everyone did. There were a few too many winks and nods to the original, as opposed to just going forward and doing their own thing. And I'm hoping that this game doesn't do the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I I think that there is going to be uh, there, there, there's going to be a very strong uh, temptation to um, I, I don't even think pander is the word to be like to convince people that everything's okay again and we we remembered how to make a good game and and uh, you know and and to try and put put it all behind them and I, I and I think it is potentially going to come off as trying too hard. Um, I'm. I'm uh, hoping that they see this as a blank. Obviously, it is from a thematic point of view. I mean, they've literally erased the past, or, or at least made it impossible for the past to have any direct influence on this. What they, I find kind of funny about slate. that is that since they've established that most of these characters not only are from the Milky Way galaxy, but were alive up until Mass Effect 2, basically they've created a world where the only thing that doesn't exist is Mass Effect 3. Which is kind of funny kind to of, think about. It is, yeah, it is. I hadn't <laughs> thought of it like that, but it's yeah. people yeah. have memories and have done things during the time of the games we played before, with the exception of three, obviously. So it makes me wonder. And actually, that's one of the things I found quite funny. Like, so you've literally just blanked three from existence. <laughs> <laughs> well, well with they, the three different endings too. They kind of had to. Yeah. They, they have a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card there, too, because a lot of the things that were going on in Mass Effect 2 were being done secretly. Oh, yeah, so exactly. So there's yeah. a very good possibility that uh, those people have no idea what Shepard was up to during the events of Mass Effect 2, don't yeah. know anything about the Collectors, and might even buy the Council line that the Reapers are not even a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I heard, when I first heard about the concept of the Andromeda and they were doing, my assumption was is that behind the scenes, there, this was, uh, I mean, th- there's that famous line that a lot of people have pointed to from the third game that an Asari counselor says about contingency. Uh, and obviously, at the time that statement was made, everyone knew about the Reapers. The Reapers were invading in full force. Uh, but it seems like, un- unless we hear differently when the game is launched, it sounds like this was all dreamed up before the true threat of the Reapers uh, was was determined, which to me almost seems like a lost opportunity because that's an awful lot of time, resources, and en- energy to spend to go to a whole nother galaxy 
if you don't have a gun pointed at your head. <laughs> uh, and cons when you consider how much of the Milky Way galaxy would have been completely unexplored, I mean, the reality is is that there's only a finite number of Mass Effect reading. They probably could only have, what, 10% of the galaxy would have been reachable from those in, in realistic periods of time. But, uh, yeah, they seem to have gone a different route with it. Um, maybe we won't even hear the word Reapers mentioned in <laughs> in this game, but... Yeah, like I was saying, this is a blank slate. There's really no reason for there to be constant callbacks, at least not the sort of ones that make you cringe like Goose seems to be <laughs> uh, seems to be getting at. Um, so my my biggest concerns, apart from that, have been some of the stuff that I've heard recently about bugs. It's not unusual to hear about bugs pre-release and in preview versions, uh, but what what you know the reality is is that some games have that stuff fi stuff fixed at launch and other games end up like read unity a month or two later they're still as broken as they were before so uh i think we can safely assume there's going to be a massive day one patch for this game and i'm i mean whatever as long as it works but uh i'm going i'm not going to be impressed if this thing ends up being uh as broke ass as some of the people that have uh uh, reported on the previews uh, seem to suggest that it has been. But who knows? Maybe they'll tighten that all up. Um, we'll, I guess we'll see. Um, <laughs> this, is a big, this is a big question, and it sort of does touch on some of the stuff we've talked about already. But, Chris, um, do you think they've uh, that BioWare has learned from some of the missteps and mistakes of uh, ME3? I mean, and you can take into account what's been seen in Inquisition because it, it certainly... It certainly can be seen as an apology for Dragon Age 2, and, and some people can even interpret it as, as changing for all. For the, but uh, are, are you expecting that they're going to uh, learn from stuff that they've done wrong in the past and get it right in this game? Or are Bioware just Bioware just have to hope the good game? Uh, it's, I think it's somewhere in the middle, really, hmm. because you can see, um, if you look at their past games, you can kind of see what elements of design they've included in the, the contemporary game yeah. um, and what what sort of influenced that game's development if you look back to the original mass effect you know it's it's essentially just a next-gen clone of knights of the old republic so they did something that worked very very well for them before and just made a few minor tweaks here and there yep. and each game kind of did that uh, mass effect 2 was very heavily inspired by the popularity of gears of war where, to the point where they stripped down the RPG elements and made it into more of a cover shooter. Yep. Mass Effect 3, you can see, was influenced strongly by their... Um, basically by their wanting to include multiplayer in it. Ev almost everything about Mass Effect 3 from a, like a, a gameplay technical point of view is multiplayer. There's a huge variety of guns. Um, there's you know yeah. a hugely streamlined combat system. All of that stuff kind of shows you that they're looking to make money off those like microtransactions. You know, you have 25 different weapons so that you can get them all randomly. Um, something the series hadn't done before. If you look at Dragon Age Inquisition, you can see it's weird. <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition, and I hadn't really thought about this until I heard someone else say it, but Dragon Age Inquisition is essentially a single player MMO. And if you really look at it, you can see how they, the design of the Old Republic kind of filtered into Dragon Age Inquisition. Hmm. Um, well, a lot of the quests are, you know, they're, they're simplistic fetch quests. There's really no resolution to them besides a single line of dialogue. Um, so even though the Old Republic wasn't tremendously successful, it obviously affected their design choices for Inquisition. And so if you look at Mass Effect Andromeda now, it's kind of hard to predict what they're going to be basing that on, you know, mm. what what elements they're going to be looking at. It's, it, it's I don't a lot think of years removed from 
plenty of other games that they've made. So there's certainly right. You know, and uh, I mean, nowadays, I think one of the things that's become popular even more since um, Mass Effect Three is the idea of like esports and and competitive multiplayer. I haven't heard anything about like a PvP mode in Andromeda. That may not be a thing at all, hmm. but it wouldn't really surprise me if it happened. Um, and if they, you know, kind of put that, maybe maybe it turns out that the reason they focused so much on mobility in combat wasn't just for that um, single player experience, but so that they could have a way to get a PvP mode in there. So, you know, to, to kind of make some wild guesses, uh, yeah. we might see that. Uh, I think we're going to see them clean up their act on the story department and play it much safer. Um, I expect this to be narratively a, a pretty um, conservative type of game where they're not going to take a lot of risks uh, to, you know, they don't want to alienate people any more than they've already done. Yeah, I, I dare say it would be impossible to alienate them any more than they already did, but we <laughs> will see. Uh, how about you, Jen? Do you, do you expect to see this uh, as a... Uh... Mia Culper, or is a uh, a return to form of them sort of learning on what didn't work and, and fixing it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I basically agree with everything Chris said, so I won't <laughs> I won't echo all of that. But I, I it's like you said, Inquisition was you know everyone laughs and says it's sort of the apology after Dragon Age two, but I think in a sense it it was. I mean, I can't imagine anyone really denying that they got a lot of complaints and they made a lot of adjustments really directly answering what was wrong with the second one. So I think we definitely can see a big improvement, and I think the they know what games of theirs have been very well received and had a lot yeah. of success with. And I think they're going to pick aspects of what worked before, like Goose was saying, you know, the exploration of the first one and the better combat in the third and just kind of mash things together. And I, I mean, I hope it turns out great, but yeah. I don't know. If they take basically, if they take the good things, the things that Dragon Age Inquisition did right, which I think is, there's a lot that they did mm -hmm. well, in Dragon Age Inquisition. If they take that, kind of meld it in with a more streamlined combat system, um, and just play it safe on the story department, then they've got a shot to make like a really very successful game. I think. Yeah. yeah. Goose, uh, do you expect this to be a, a chastened, uh, wiser Bioware uh, with with uh, this new Mass Effect game, or? Uh... Or uh, do you expect them to continue to the Bioware scene before? I feel like that Bioware had a run of games that weren't necessarily financial failures, but that their fan base almost turned on them, that being Dragon Age 2, Mass Effect 3, and The Old Republic. Since then, I've noticed that you've seen Bioware is not, as, not exactly necessarily changing, but almost trying to rebrand themselves. That was where Dragon Age Inquisition came in. They were trying to show people that, yes, we do still know what we're doing. We do, we are able to still write a basic game. As Chris said, it's basically a single-player MMO. And you can definitely see the inspirations that they've taken from taking their good ideas and melding it into a new product. Now, with this game, I've heard of, they've taken a lot of inspiration. Combat-wise, they said they've taken a lot of inspiration from games like Gears of War and, oddly enough, The Last of Us. And they've also said that they want to make this one less mm. less MMO feeling as Inquisition was. They've mentioned that they've taken a lot of cues from the Witcher series in how they want to do side quests for this game, which I feel like is a really good idea. Yeah. What concerns me, however, is that if you try to emulate too many things too much, then you come across feeling like more of a clone as opposed to your own thing. I've, it's basically become the the Batman effect 
When Arkham Asylum came out, next thing you know, every game had the free-flow combat system. The same basic idea works here. I'm curious as to how much they're going to emulate and how much they're going to innovate. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned, it, it's so far removed from another release of theirs. I mean, it, it's, it's, the, it's the biggest gap there's been in, what, since the first Mass Effect game came out, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of releases. So it's not like they can rely on copying the notes from a previous game. So uh, it'll be interesting. And it'll be interesting to see whether it sets a standard good enough that whatever next game they come out with, because we keep hearing about a new IP, uh, whether or not it will actually uh, bleed into that and, and pass on the influence as well. Um this uh, it, uh, I I didn't want to get too heavily heavy into speculation, but I think this one is worth asking, given that you know the last series was mapped out this way. It should have been. Chris, do you expect that this game is going to feel like a planned installment of a trilogy, or do you just see this as a uh, let's see if it works, <laughs> and and if it doesn't, we'll burn the thing to the ground, and if it does, we'll make another two, uh, or do you think it's actually going to be crafted in such a way that it feels like, you know, well, we'll look back and feel like it was the first part of like a planned story. Uh, I think what, if I had to guess business model wise, what would be the smartest thing for them to do would be to follow the same formula that they, that they've used for dragon age, which has, mm. has been overall successful. Dragon age two was obviously not well received, but if you look at it within the Dragon Age series as a whole, it's actually not that huge of a misfire because um, all it does is bridges the gap between Origins and Inquisition. But the way the Dragon Age series works is, you know, every game has a different protagonist. Whether they do that in Mass Effect or not, I don't know. Yeah, but, I doubt it. But <laughs> uh, the games are, um, they're in the same universe. They continue the same story, but there's no containment. Dragon Age as a series has left itself wide open um there's no dragon age is not a trilogy it's just a series they can kind of add as many dragon age games as they want to and perpetuate it yeah and i could see them taking that same approach to the new mass effect especially because they constrained themselves so much with the trilogy where they had to bring decisions to fruition and they had to continue story elements if they open the series up and make it you know just a mass effect game and yeah there can be another mass effect game and another one and etc they might find more success there and not have to worry about being like having their hands tied and continuity and all that right and you could even argue and i think i've i've heard this argument made that the more you put those constraints in not only does it add complexity but it also increases the chance that someone's going to have to go out and tell lies and bullshit (laughs) about stuff which is exactly what happened in the case of, of three like they they had they had they'd built up the fact that your choices were important so much that by the time three came around and it everyone who worked on that game must have known that some of them were going to be narrative dead ends or just cop out but they still had to continue to sing the tune uh, so if I, I think what you're saying is if they get away from that they're freer to just you know make the next game without having it handcuffed to the game before it in terms of right. decisions well that would certainly be interesting to see mass effect with less choice it'd be interesting to see how that's received i mean i sort of bristle at the thought but i game in terms of like game design and certainly in terms of complexity i can see it from i don't know how do you feel about it jen i mean you obviously enjoyed a lot of the uh continuity parts of the game and uh, i think i without speaking for you i think i'd 
safe to say that that made you feel closer to it. But if they steer, if they steered away from that, uh, how would you, how would you feel about? I mean, it would definitely be different, but I think it would be better in a lot of ways. Um, like Chris was saying, they're not, they're not going to be so restricted to, we have to run through this trilogy. We have to finish it out. We have to resolve all these things. If they leave it more open-ended, um, you know, that just gives, make, leaves them a lot freer to, to do a lot of different things or to maybe have a different lead in the next game, or maybe it'll be the same writer again. I don't know, but I think it'll, I think it would be a good decision. Um, but I honestly, like you were mentioning, like whether it's just kind of going to be a game and then maybe they'll do more later. I would be shocked if the end didn't have something that was unresolved or some sort of a lead in. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure they're going to leave it open, but I don't think they're going to lock themselves into another trilogy. How about you, Goose? Uh, do, do you see them giving themselves a little bit more freedom, maybe having, uh, you know, taking into account what happened in the past? I like the idea, like Chris said, of sort of a Dragon Age situation where all the stories are technically connected, but they each work as a standalone as well. It gives you a lot more freedom to tell a lot more diverse stories. Number one, very similar to you could almost do a you could almost do a James Bond esque type storytelling, where each story is basically its own deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be interesting, uh, but it would be a complete departure for sure. Um, some sort of tagging up on what you said, Chris. Maybe if they don't. Maybe if they don't plan it as a trilogy, then they take some of the pressure off when it comes to the third game. You know what I mean? Like, if it right, doesn't yeah. have to be this epic crescendo, then they don't fumble it like they did and just completely shit the bed. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe it'll just... Maybe if they... It, it isn't definitely going to be the last one, then it can just be a good game with a, a good resolution that doesn't necessarily tie up every thread. Right. And you can have nods to those previous threads. And, you know, Dragon Age is a great example because Dragon Age has a set story, which you can influence to a point. But it's they they didn't give players the the scale of influence in Dragon Age as they did with Mass Effect. So even if they can still retain that idea of your choices mattering, you know, within kind of closed quests in within a a game, kind of self-contained stories within a single game and have minor effects on the world. That way they've got the best of both worlds, that that player choice element, but also a narrative that they're free to completely drive themselves where you can't alter the major details. And they can make nods and little references to things that happened in past games and, you know, have characters return like Hawk returns in Inquisition and where you can even even to the point where you can design what Hawk looks like and choose what you know, race the the Grey Warden was and that kind of stuff, but it still gives them their story to control. But Chris, aren't, aren't you going to miss out if in the second game there isn't a sequence where you can lie or pretend that you have brain damage when people ask you questions about what happened in the previous game? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> the best part of Mass Effect 2 is, is telling Jacob and Miranda that you put Udina as, as counselor. Nobody puts Udina as counselor. Even the most renegade of renegades doesn't put Udina as counselor. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll also, you know, it's another thing, another thing advantage of not having it completely tied one, two, and three is that you don't have to go through this BS of feeling like it's starting from scratch and you're a, you know, you, you have to be turned into a rookie again at the start of the, of the game. Like learn all, like learn all the controls from scratch. Like you haven't played a video game before. Maybe they can finally drop that. No, like, like it actually will be possible for a player to pick up the second one without having to play the first and not feel complete dullard. And hopefully uh, they don't need any like James Vega characters to be like <laughs> the idiot. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, just plays Pal- the Palavin sequence from Mass Effect 3, and it, it's Vega is like, I know he's the stand-in for the new player, but it's painful. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's the genophage? Well, the genophage is when the, the Krogan rebelled again. Uh, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a lot of advantages there. But look, as as good ideas as those as I think those are, I think I I and I think we're all agreed in, with four of us that 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 could. I think there's a lot of players out there who really love Mass Effect for what it is and all. That. And I do think that there's a certain type of player that will that will miss that and and might uh, might bridle at that a little bit uh, and come down on the game for um, for steering too far away from it, its roots. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see it, it both ways. Uh, well, is there anything else uh, anyone wanted to uh, to to get into uh, before we wrap it up? I, I think I'd sort of covered everything I wanted to, to ask, and we can only spend so much time talking about the technology side into our hands, the bugs, etc. I, I mean, I think this is <laughs> worth coming back to after we've all had a chance to play it and think, I, I, in fact, I think we can probably eat some time in just that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, any other topics related to uh, the, the preview period of the game that we wanted to get into? Well, I feel I'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on artistic integrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do just want to say that if there is a Reaper anywhere in the Andromeda Galaxy, maybe not even in this game, but sometime in the future... Uh, like a Reaper scout or something that went to another galaxy to resolve the Reaper issues that the Reapers were designed to solve. Uh, I called it. Throwing that out there. (laughs) Take notes, kids. It really doesn't make any sense for the Reapers not to expand to other galaxies given their stated mission and the nature of them being immortal machines. So I I don't think it would be a good idea for BioWare to to go there, but BioWare hasn't always been... Aware of what I is think a good it, idea. Yeah. I think it would be a terrible idea, and I and I think that you know uh, contamination type uh, joke that I made earlier is not really that far from the truth. They they uh, have ruined their sandbox, and the best the, the the best decision they can make is to just get as far away from possible because it's just uh, it's too impossible to try and create a game adjacent to it. They've just got to get. Um, oh, sorry, I I do remember one last thing. Any. Uh, any races that we expect will be sort of like absent or expunged from the experience. I mean, even even just like you know the odd one or two interspersed through there. Do you do you expect that uh, everybody will get a look in somewhere? Even the Geth and the Corians, which would make no sense, I admit. But uh, do we do we expect all the usual sort of Mass Effect beats to be there as far as the the peoples of the galaxy? From what we've been told. By the things I've looked up, the interviews and whatnot, we know that there are no Quarians in the game. Hmm. There are no Geth in the game. The Vorcha are gone. The Hanar are gone. The Vorcha. <laughs> the El- the Elcor are gone, and hmm. I think the Volas are also gone. Yeah. But I don't know anything else that's actually been confirmed or denied. Those are the only ones I've actually heard said or stated not in the game. They, they got rid of the derpy races, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Actually, I was under the impression that they hadn't confirmed the Quarians weren't making an appearance, uh, and that and I can't remember where I read this, but one of the developers, when asked about the Quarians, was very coy about it, um, and and did not confirm one way or another. Uh, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see kind of a a um, Easter egg, not an Easter egg, just like a. <laughs> You know, having Quarians in there somewhere, or even even if it's just a few of them in in some small role, 
but yeah. definitely no Geth, and you know all the other ones that were mentioned aren't going to be there. That's fine. Yeah. I don't really care about the Hanar. Yeah. Well, look, it's it's definitely going to feel Except different Lasto. with uh, <laughs> it's definitely going to feel different with those bits and pieces missing. I mean, uh, derp races they may be, Chris. They they certainly added to the <laughs> to the look and feel of the thing. So it will be it would be a boldly set aside. I mean, I think we can agree a lot of the look and the technology, armor, all well, that sort of having those have... things different. Sorry. Couldn't we have new races introduced too? Oh, absolutely. To kind of replace what oh, yeah. is. Well, then that we, might be what. You have, we, yeah. we need new derp, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've already. We can't shown... go without it. <laughs> they've shown the 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 Thundarans, the, the guys that look like Lionel. I don't yeah. know what they're called. Because like I said, I, I'm. <laughs> sure enough, details. But there's definitely an alien race that looks like Lionel, like yeah. I. Thundercats ho. So <laughs> whatever else, I don't know. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm I'm glad to see it. It's just it's it's going to definitely feel diff. It's going to definitely feel different. R- remain to be seen uh, if it still feels uh, as much like Mass Effect as as we all hope it does. Um. Well, look, if that covers it, then uh, thank you all for your time. Uh. And I I yeah, let's definitely uh sit down. You know, six to eight weeks after the uh, the game comes out, and hopefully we'll have some multiplayer and uh a full playthrough under our belts and can really uh decompress and and talk about the hopefully the future of the mass effect series if it still has one after this game i mean if it's a smoking ruin uh i guess (laughs) i guess we'll know by then won't we um as I mentioned at the top, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Enthusiacs, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, Enthusiacs, where all our video content, Let's Plays, resides. Uh, you can, in the top right-hand corner, um, click on our forum link, join in the discussion there. Our email address for that po- this podcast, if you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions, is pointstreak at enthusiacs.com. Uh, thanks again to my guests, Chris, Jennifer, and Goose. Thanks for listening, and join us again on our next episode of point streak thank you guys thank you peace be with you all thank you (laughs)